Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. How many of you know what this is? It's a bit hard to see, but maybe the camera can zoom in. What I'm holding in my hand, uh, this is a $2 coin, all right? I want to ask you, what can we get with $2 these days? I passed by my the petrol station, station in front of my house, you can barely get a liter of petrol with this right now. Unfortunately, Rodney, uh, petrol prices are going up like crazy. Uh, you can't get a cup of coffee with $2, but guess what you can do with less than $2 a day, literally less than $2 a day, you can make a difference in a child's life, literally, literally. And you're going to have an opportunity to do that to do just that in a moment. But I'm getting ahead of myself, all right? I want to start today's, um, before I bring Rodney to the stage, by asking you this very important question. And the question is, how would you define a true religion? How would you describe a true religion? What is true religion for you? Everybody gets to play. It doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus for 50 years or maybe you are an atheist or an agnostic right now. Uh, you get to play as well. How would you describe a true religion? All right? Uh, if you are not a follower of Jesus, if you are an agnostic or an atheist, uh, maybe you don't even believe there is a God. That's fine. But assuming that there is, okay, uh, and you are, you are free to create this new religion. You have a clean slate to create a new religion. What would this new religion look like to you? All right? Assuming there's someone out there, powerful, who maybe, you know, demands or wants our worship or whatever, how would you think this God would like you to start this new religion? A lot of Christians that I talk to will say that, hey, it's very easy. The answer to this question is very easy. True religion is all about right believing. It's all about your doctrine. It's all about your theology. You have to have the right theology. Others would say you have to worship the one true God. Only then it becomes a true religion because if you worship the false gods, it can't be true religion. So true religion must, uh, must involve worshiping the one true God. And, and, and so on and so on. If you talk to 10 people and ask them this question, you probably will get 10 different answers as well. Maybe they sound similar and all that, but you will invariably get different responses to this question. And what I'm uh, really, really uh, you know, surprised when I read this in the Bible, actually James, the half-brother of Jesus, believe it or not, defined for us what true religion is. He actually defines for us what God is looking for in religion. And this is what he says. I don't know if you ever read this in the Bible or not, but James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this, religion that God our Father accepts as ours and accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. But I'm interested in what he says in the first part of, that, of his answer. True religion, according to James, is looking after orphans and widows in their distress. 
Now, I'm pretty sure James is not specifically limiting uh, our care or concern to just orphans and widows. I believe orphans and widows, they represent people who are marginalized in our society, in our community, because in those days, when you are a widow, when you are an orphan, there's really nothing much you can do. You are actually literally at the mercy of the people around you. It's much different to our society today. So the orphans and the widows, they represent people who can't help themselves. And what James is trying to say is this. You know, God, the God that we worship, the God that we claim to know, He is the protector of these people. God, is, God wants to be known as the protector of the people who are poor, people who are forgotten, people who can't help themselves. I've been asked this question so many times in my life, maybe more than any other questions that have been asked to me. And the question is, does God care about the poor, Daniel? Does God really care about people who are sick? Does God really care about hungry children? Does God really care? Because people around us, they see all these problems around us, and it seems like God is not there. It seems like God doesn't care, right? And that's, that's why a lot of people are so skeptical about religion. They think that religions just divide because they don't see any good come out of, that come out of religions, you know, only the wars, only the divisions. But then you see the real problems around you, like people getting hungry, people who are sick from curable diseases, like these are still all around us. Then what makes you think your religion is one true religion? That's a good question, isn't it? It's a question that we need to ponder ourselves. Like, you know, if we claim to know God, and this God wants to be known as the protector of the people who are helpless, then, then, shouldn't we represent God in this way? Shouldn't we care about the poor, the, the people who fall into the margins in our society as well? And this is what... Uh, what God is all about. And there's no other person that represents the heart of God best than His own Son, Jesus Christ, when He came to our world. When Jesus came to our world, you can see the heart of God the best because everything that Jesus says and does, you know, it, it just oozes compassion. It just oozes care from the God that is unseen, but now you see it in the person of Jesus, and now you know what God is really, really like. Let me give you one simple story from the life of Jesus, and this is, this is really remarkable. Uh, it's recorded for us in the Gospel of Mark chapter 6, and it says this, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had, he had what on them? He had compassion on them. That's a key word, isn't it? Jesus had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like the sheep without a shepherd. They were hungry. Yes, they were actually physically hungry as well because 80% of the people who lived during Jesus' time, they were jobless, they were hungry. But Jesus saw much deeper than just their physical hunger. They were like the sheep without a shepherd. And so, what did Jesus do? He began teaching them many things. 
In fact, Jesus got so carried away in teaching them about the kingdom of God, about this loving, caring God, that Jesus forgot about the time he taught late into the afternoon. And this is what happened. By this time, it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it is already very late, so this is what we're going to do send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So the disciples obviously showed concern for these people. There's so many of them. In fact, it was counted there were like 5,000 men, not including women and children. They definitely didn't have any food to give them, but they cared about them. They were concerned that they might be hungry. I think they might be hungry themselves. That's why, you know, we're getting hungry, Jesus. How long more are you going to teach? Why don't you send them away so that they too can get something to eat? Maybe, but at least let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They did show concern that the people might go hungry because it's late in the day. But... The disciples were different from Jesus, weren't they? What's the difference between the disciples and Jesus? Remember what Jesus said, uh, what what was said about Jesus at the beginning? Jesus had what? Compassion on these people. The people, the disciples, they were just showing concern. So I think there's a difference between the two, and this is what I want to highlight. The disciples were concerned, but they had no compassion. They were not like Jesus. A lot of people are concerned about the poor. A lot of people are concerned about the marginalized, about people who can't help themselves. If I ask for a show of hand, I won't. But if I ask for a show of hand, how many of you are concerned for hungry children? How many of you are concerned for this and that? A lot of hands will go up because you, a lot of us are concerned about things that are not right in this world. But the question is this, it's not are you concerned, but are you concerned enough to turn your concern into compassion, right? Can you really go to the next step and turn your concern into compassion? So here's what Jesus did. Because I believe we are here in this world for a reason, yeah? A lot of you who claim to be followers of Jesus, I mean, you know that we are saved by the grace of God alone, that Christianity is not about doing the right, uh, you know, just believing in the right thing and and, and doing the right thing, but Christianity is about accepting the grace of God through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose again for us. You know, we believe that, right? But the question is, you know, if eternal life is all there is to it, then why are we still here on earth? Why are we still here on earth? I believe there's a reason, I believe there's a purpose, because God wants to use you and me to tell the whole world that He cares about them. You are God's plan for our world. And that's why, this is what Jesus said to the disciples. You do what you can do. I know you cannot teach them about the kingdom of God. I came to this world to do just that. Jesus is the full representation of God, the Heavenly Father, yeah? You know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus got carried away teaching because he knew the disciples couldn't do that. But the disciples could do this. He said, you give them something to eat. That's what you can do. You can't die for them. You can't give them grace. I can do that. I came to do just that. But you have a part to play as well. And I believe... As a Christian, we do have a part to play 
in this world. Amen? We do have a part to play. Um, before I bring Rodney, uh, I want to ask you, imagine, imagine you uh, had a vision, and in your vision, you hear clearly Jesus saying to, to you, hey, Rodney, or hey, Mary, tomorrow, I want to come to your house. For the whole week, I'm going to be staying with you. But I'm going to be in disguise, so you would, you know, a lot of people wouldn't know it, but I want to let you know in advance that I'm going to be staying with you for one whole week next week, starting tomorrow. Um, what would you do? If you know that Jesus is coming to your house, what would you do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start cleaning. <laughs> I'm going to start cleaning, throwing away, throwing away all the threads. Make sure the guest room is super clean, right? Wash the sheets and, and the, the, the pillows and, and making sure the room is smelling nice and everything. And we make sure that the, the refrigerator is stocked up with good food and fruits and stuff because Jesus is coming to my house. Come on, you know, we're going to treat him like he deserves. He's a king. He's our savior, right? Maybe you already planned the itinerary for you what are you going to do with Jesus the following week? You know, I'm going to bring Jesus to dim sum tomorrow. I'm going to bring him to the pub to have a beer with me. I'm going to show him King's Park, you know. You're going to do everything that you can because it's Jesus, right? It's Jesus. But do you know, Jesus said this, when you take care of one of these little ones for me, you're actually taking care of me. Here's what Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So when you're thinking about sponsoring a child, for example, it's not just sponsoring a child. When you're thinking about, you know, helping others, even as simple as moving house or something like that, you're not just helping someone to move house. You're helping Jesus. That's what Jesus said. Everything that you do for the least of these brothers and sisters, you actually did it for me. All right? Right now, I want to invite Rodney to come up to the stage to, to tell us a bit more uh, about Compassion and the partnership that the Rocks Church has had with Compassion over the last few years. Rodney is a great friend of mine. You may have heard his voice through 98.5 many, many years ago, but uh, he's been with Compassion for a long time now, so take it away, Rodney. Thank you. Well, thank you for the, the great opportunity to be here and to tell you a little bit about how you are actually making a difference in the lives of so many different children. I want to say thank you to you for helping to release children from poverty in Jesus' name, in the Philippines and beyond. You are already doing so much, and I want to encourage you for that. You're doing that through sponsoring children. You're also doing that through funding a mums and babies centre. That's in Marikina City, just near Manila. And so you're helping young mums to have a, a good pregnancy, to have a safe pregnancy, to have a safe birth for their child and helping them in the early months of that child's life to get the, the nutrition they need, to help them understand the best way to, to parent. So you're doing this. And what's the effect of all this? Well, currently you are sponsoring, as a church, 267 children. That means that for those 267 children, and the effects flow on to to the rest of the family and to the rest of the community. For those 267 children, they are getting the health care they need. They're getting the education they need. 
They're, they're getting the, the social support that they need, the emotional support that they need. And they are getting to hear about the love of Jesus for them because poverty tells lies to children. Poverty says everything around you is broken, everything around you is worthless, and so are you. They are the lies of poverty. And yet when you step in and you sponsor a child, you are saying that is not the truth. Stop listening to the lies of poverty. So thank you for sponsoring 267 children so far. Over the last 12 months, 624 letters have gone backwards and forwards between you and your sponsored kids. Now, I must admit, a lot of them were from the kids to sponsors, and, and that really hits me as well. I, I need to remind myself to write to my sponsored children a whole lot more. But thank you for the way that you're encouraging those children. Thank you for what you are doing in that encouragement of, of letter writing, of letting them know that they are loved. Specifically, The Rocks is sponsoring children on the island of Bohol in the Philippines. And the Philippines is an area that really needs to know about Jesus. Less than 3% are, are actually Christian there. So we need to share the gospel with them. People need to know that Jesus loves them. The statistics around poverty there are just horrific. So many people living under $1.25 a day and many more that are living at just above that. Did you know that right around the world, that around 1 in 12 people who are trafficked anywhere in the world are Filipino? This is a country that has been exploited for far too long and we need to step in and say for these children, for these families, for these men and women who are created in the image of God that this is unacceptable. We want to make a difference there. Of course, compassion, as you probably already know, is Christ-centred. Everything we do is centred around Jesus. We are child-focused. We want to care for each individual child and we are church-based. We work through the local church because they know the local area, they know the local uh, struggles and so they're able to step in and, and they're able to make a difference. But of course COVID has made a big difference too. Up to 124 million people more are being forced into extreme poverty because of the COVID pandemic. This was in a report by the UN uh, just a few months ago and that was even before the, the Omicron surge, so it's probably even more than that. Millions of children risk never having the opportunity to return to school. So not just when COVID's over, they'll go back to school, but millions will never get that opportunity again because of this pandemic. I want you to watch just a couple of minutes with me of the effect that COVID has made, but the response that Compassion is making in the Philippines. Maopay nga adlo sa amon mga hinigugma nga sponsor. Ako si Junalyn Nataga, Pilipinas. Hi everyone, I'm John and I work as a partnership facilitator. On the onset of the pandemic, I've seen families suffering. The direct impact of COVID-19 created emotional struggles for families. Hopelessness, how will fathers feed their families? now that some of them no longer have jobs. Online sexual exploitation of children, OSEC, overall in the Philippines has increased because children are locked down, people are desperate, and the sexual predators online take advantage of that situation. We have a huge campaign against OSEC that's being done right now. It's successful in educating parents, successful in educating churches and people about the nature of this menace. Compassion has made sure that there will be interventions for food security, for livelihood. We have given 
around 13 to 15 waves of relief operations for the children. Not just food supplies, but even other health needs and other health kits to protect them. You hear stories about resilience, about faith. I mean, when, when you want to learn about faith, about resilience, about dependence on God, listen to these people because it's not theory for them. It's reality. And for them to receive assurance from the sponsor that they are prayed for, that they are cared for, supported, and continually loved, that just leaves a ton of burdens over and anxiety over their shoulders. Because now the sponsor is experiencing some of the pain that these children are going through, you know, having to live with uncertainty. And I know that that's a connection that really works right now in this crisis, that they are communicating at a common point of pain, of uncertainty, and that the only thing holding them together is the love of Jesus Christ. That means life to a child. Salamat sa iyong padayan na pagsuporta. Kami nga mga kabataan din ni sa Pilipinas, permi namon kamo ginaampo. Kinigugma kamo namon ngandako amon pagpapasalamat tungod sa iyo. Pagpabilin nga marigon. Every time I see a video like that, I'm absolutely blown away by the fact that those children who are in that sort of circumstance are praying for us. I don't want to diminish what we're going through with COVID, but when those children are praying for us, that's something amazing. And I mentioned a moment ago about the, the report from the UN. And one of the phrases in that report really stuck out to me. It said, we are at a critical juncture in human history. The decisions and actions we take today will have momentous consequences for future generations. So that has me asking, what decisions and actions will we take today as a church, as the body of Christ? What decisions and actions will we take to make sure that those children no longer have to live in poverty? As followers of Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to say poverty will no longer define them. And we can do that in a number of ways. I implore you to join with me in releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. I want to give you just a few ways you can do that. First of all, it's child sponsorship, which you have heard of before, but let me encourage you. If you're already a sponsor, thank you. But ask yourself this, is there room at my table for one more? And maybe for some people in this room, you have the capacity to go further and you can say, maybe it's a couple of children, maybe it's five, maybe it's 10. But consider sponsoring a child today. Another way that you can join me in releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name is through our Critical Needs Program. And Critical Needs covers a whole range of different areas. So it covers things like disaster relief, education or infrastructure. And we have many individuals and businesses who see the real need for a significant gift in that way. So please speak to me at the table afterwards if you'd like to know more. And the third way that you can join me in releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name is through volunteering your time. If you'd like to volunteer as an advocate, let's talk. So the people that are helping out on the table there, some of our volunteer advocates, wouldn't it be great if each time we had Compassion Sunday here at the Rocks, it was people from the Rocks who are volunteering and saying, I want to help at that table. If you want to volunteer in any way, then talk to me. I would love to have that opportunity to, to share how you can give some of your time to make a difference. But it's really a great opportunity to be here. I want to say thank you once again for what you've done so far in supporting Compassion 
and for what you're going to do in the future. Thank you. Let's give Rodney a hand. You know, um, many years ago, I had an opportunity to visit one of the poorest countries in the world, if not the poorest country in the world at the time at least, and it's Haiti. So I went with a team, we are from Compassion, and I got to spend time with some of the volunteers and the leaders, and I can guarantee you there's no other organizations like Compassion in the way they do things. There's no brand Compassion anywhere that I see uh, in Haiti. They work literally through local churches. So they're not out to make a name for themselves, but they want the, the local church to be the vocal point where people can come and know the love of Jesus, that Jesus cares for them. I get to spend a lot of time with the children as well. I'll show you a couple of photos. I think some of you have seen this already. Um, let me see this. Um, Eric, can you help me? There you go. Um, they love me. They call me Jackie Chan. I think I was the only Asian in Haiti. Um, and we had the same hairstyles and all that. So they all, they all love me so much. And what, one of my highlights uh, of the trip is I get to meet some of the graduating students that have been sponsored by Compassions from there were really, really young. And I want to show you three of them. Um, the first one is this lady, Mikhail Belange, had five brothers and two sisters, had been the, in the child um, uh, development sponsorship program since two years old. And at the time, she was in the last year of nursing school, and she had a dream to open free health clinic for kids. The reason why I show you this is because if you're wondering, is my sponsorship really, really working? You know, are, are these children that we are sponsoring making a difference in our world? Man, you know, a lot of them are making a lot of difference. Uh, let me show you another one. This is Petit Jean Bernard. When I look at him and he introduced himself as Petit Jean Bernard, I said, no, you're not. You're, not, you're nothing but, you know, nothing. You're not Petit. You are tall. He's six foot tall and his name is Petit. How about that? But he's a, he was a graduating medical student when I met him, had been in a sponsor, child sponsorship program since he, he was five years old. And he was a resident doctor at the local public hospital in, 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 in Haiti. And he is amazing. I mean, like intelligent, super smart, humble. And he had a goal of just helping people of his country uh, through medical services because the medical, obviously, me medical services are really, really poor in that country. And then finally, I want to uh, show you Devinson, whose dad died when he was five and mom died when he was 11, had been in a sponsorship program since he was five and he was a political science major. And he told me this. He said, a lot of rich people in Haiti, they left the country to live in the United States, but I want to stay behind and I want to fix this country. You know, the sponsorship that we make do make a lot of difference in these kids' lives, not only in the kids' lives, but also in their community. And also, in some cases, they're making a difference for their country as well. So when I came back from Haiti, I, I told all the stories to Jaden, my son, who was at the time, you know, he was nearing Christmas, I think, and he, he has been so looking forward to have... Uh, at the time, it was only PS3 or PS4, and I promised him that he's going to get that for Christmas. And then I told him about the child sponsorship uh, program and the kids that I saw in Haiti. And then, and then he, uh, he said to me this, Dad, can we sponsor one more? At the time, we were already sponsoring two children. 
And Jaden's response was, response was, can we sponsor one more? And I said, well, that's, that's going to be an additional financial burden on us, Jaden. And, and, and you need PS4 and, and things like that. And he thought about it for a while. So he stayed silent for a while. He said, Dad, I don't want the PS4. I don't want the PS4. I think we should sponsor one more. And I said, are you sure, Jaden? Why? And I can't forget what he said. He said this, word for word. PS4 is not important, Dad. PS4 is not important. Right there and then, we decided to sponsor another child. And I told myself, this kid is getting a PS4. <laughs> He's definitely getting a PS4. But it, it shows how, that our priorities sometimes can get really whacked out, right? We don't know what's important anymore because we are surrounded by plenty. We are surrounded by needs ourselves. And it's hard for us to see the needs of the people outside of us. Finally, I want to show you this slide. This is a beautiful quote from Jim Wallace. The Bible doesn't mind prosperity. It just insists that it be shared. I think our God is a generous God. I think our God can provide for your needs. I think our God will not leave you empty-handed. But it is also important for us to learn to share what we have. Before we close our gathering today, I want to invite uh, Angel to come and sing this beautiful song for us to remind us the power that we have when we get together and make a difference in our world. And I'm going to come back and then close us in prayer. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit therocks.church.com.